Welcome to the Just Ask Mom podcast, where mothers share their experiences of raising children with mental illness. Just Ask Mom is a Mothers on the Frontline production. Today we are speaking with Alyssa, a mother of five children, including biological children and children adopted through the foster system. She works in human services helping other families with mental health needs as well as other special needs. My name is Alyssa Cheddar Sidslaw. I am a mom of five. I've been a single mom for 10 years, although I recently got engaged. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh, that's exciting. Um, my children are in age from 24 down to nine, and I have both children that are biologically born to me and children adopted through the foster system with a wide variety of mental health, developmental, behavioral, and medical uh, special needs. Um, I work full-time, well, actually, no, I'm part-time now, in human services, yeah. uh, helping other families, and then um, I also do professional theater by contract. I didn't know that. You didn't? That's yeah. really cool. I finished a contract recently, and I have a Shakespeare contract coming up in the summer, so. Oh, fun. Yep. Um, so, and that's what my, my training was originally in, uh, theater performance. Well, my next question you might have partially answered, and that is, sort of, what are you passionate about? Tell us a bit about you outside of or before mothering. Um, I am passionate about arts. I'm passionate about advocating for those who can't speak for themselves. I was beforehand, before this. Um, I'm passionate about um, taking care of the earth, taking care of other people, um, treating people the way you would want to be treated yourself, um, trying to make a difference and fighting against... Um, you know, whether it's discrimination or fighting against um, systems that that don't understand the, where loopholes are for people or, or whatever. Um, and I've always been passionate about those political things and um, those kinds of things. Um, I, I love lots of forms of art um, and um, exercise. I like to exercise. That is my medication. Um, so, yeah, those Great. are the things, yeah. Great. Well, that's awesome. So, I want you to pretend that you're talking to, in your case, you have five children with multiple special needs. Mm-hmm. So, I'd like you to pretend you're talking to a parent with maybe two or three kids that don't have special needs. And try to let them give them some insight into what are the extra challenges. I think it would be almost impossible to explain to someone else in that circumstance. Mm-hmm. What I would probably welcome them to do is um, come see a day in my life or experience another family like mine, um, because there's a lot of things you don't know until you till you know. And a lot of very compassionate, very loving people can say very callous things because truly they've, it's never crossed their mind. They've never thought about the kinds of problems we might have before. Um, so sometimes, uh, I try to explain, uh, from a place of, of education, some without being patronizing, um, sometimes just even in gaining compassion when, um, I have one child that I adopted who has a tremendously tragic story, um, there's not many people you could, you could explain such a rough beginning and not pull at their heartstrings and then say all the things that 
her life is like now and how it is to go home to to a child who's functioning much lower than her physical size who might have a psychotic break and and bite you and attack you you know and that's people have a hard time even wrapping their head around those things so i kind of wish more people could could peek into our lives yeah. because it is such a hard thing to un, to understand i think it's like a lot of things that might seem um unpleasant to people we all want to pretend that certain things aren't out there right it it makes you feel like you can survive you know and i know myself there are times when you hear some horrendous child abuse story we all want to say no that's not it can't be that's not real right and sometimes i think our lives can look like that i think it's very scary to those who don't experience that Mm -hmm. and i think it's also why we so easily bond with each other because um so rarely do moms like us truly feel understood where maybe if i'm i seem in a in an iep meeting snappy and bitchy or something um, other moms like me would, would get it and go, you know what, you're, you're just cutting out the BS cause you're tired and you've probably been up all night and, right. um, this is your third meeting of the day and I get you right. where to an outside person, I'm like, wow, this mom is difficult to deal with. Right. Um, so I think so much of it would be welcoming somebody in to see a picture of what it looks like yeah. because I don't think it's something most people can wrap their head around. Yeah. And I, it's interesting to say that because even if you had a video of it, it's still removed, right? Because, and I, it. Yeah. I don't know the neurology of this, okay? I just know when my child has anxiety and I'm in the same room with my child, it starts to affect my body. Oh, absolutely. So if you're in a situation like this day in and day out. Well, it absolutely does. I actually think some of the best things, I know you maybe ask about this in a little bit, but some of the best things I've done for myself have to do with, um, energy work and learning how to stay centered and calm in the midst of chaos rather than allowing yourself to snowball in the chaos and realizing that chaos isn't me and it isn't my own. And so to be able to stay calm and centered in the midst of that does reduce behavior of those around you. Just naturally, it's like tossing a pebble into a pond and watching the ripple. If my pebble is a calm and centered and neutral pebble, it doesn't get pulled into that because anxiety is contagious. Absolutely. And it's very, very easy for that to happen. And I would say over the last six years, doing a lot of work um, with my own therapist, with my own energy person, with a lot of alternative things like that, finding ways to do what I can do because I can only do me when it comes down to it. You know? Right, right. And so hopefully my ripple is different so that that helps reduce the amount of severity of, of, um, my own reaction to the children. If it's okay, I'd like to follow that up because it's one thing I notice when I'm around other moms who go through this, I, one, I realize I'm drawn to them more than other people now. Mm-hmm. And part of it is like you say, they understand. But there's something else, and it's hard for me to sometimes put my finger on it. And I think in order to survive this, you have to do exactly what you said. To some extent, you have to center yourself. You have to understand that if I'm going to survive this, I have to not be carried away with it. Right. And that's a life skill that transfers everywhere else. It absolutely does. It absolutely. And I think in general, um, 
a lot of moms like us tend to be um, overtly authentic. Yes. Which I love. For some people, that's extremely off-putting because I'll just tell you flat out. You have <laughs> yeah. a question you want to ask me or somebody wants to discuss some top, top, I don't care. I'll tell you. And because I think when you've gone through these kinds of things, it is just different. And I do think you just, um, there is an ability to be raw and authentic in a way that I think is a tremendous um, uh, life skill that I have gained from a very difficult experience. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, thank you for that. I just, that's really helpful. So you have five kids and I know just having two, how difficult it can be making sure the siblings getting attention and so on. What do you wish you could tell your kids? Like, and you could pick a few if you want, like one at a time, but that's five intersecting lives yeah. in so many various complicated ways. Well, the one thing um, I do know that my kids know is that I would fiercely and vigilantly fight for what they need. Unfortunately, looking back, I feel like I have been more of an advocate than I have been a mom. That part hurts my heart. I didn't have all of the sit down and play and do fun things together, or let's go do some fun activity. Um, especially when I had so many with so many needs, um, our activities were physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy, um, behavioral therapy, uh, treatment, um, you know, med management. And so, um, I grieve that, that I don't think my children will look back and remember me as a fun I don't think they'll have those memories, but I do think my kids would tell if you were in a pinch, who do you want in your corner? It was my mom. So, um, that part I'm proud of what I've had to do. Um, and it usually does make me emotional is, um, let myself off the hook a bit yeah. because under the given circumstances, especially being alone for so much of it, um, I did the best I could with what I had at the time. Right. I apologize when I need to. Right. I um, make the kids, sh- you know, aware that, you know, I am a human with faults and I'm so sorry and I'm doing my best and how much I love and adore you. And um, I believe in a higher power and God brought us together for a reason. Right. And, um, and no matter what, even when I'm confused and I don't know what the reason is or any of those things, I'm confident in that. Yeah. And, um, and I try to stick with that. Um, that part can be, can be hard. I don't think anyone has gotten the individual attention they may have needed, but I've tried to do simple things like take one to the grocery store, you know, um, or, you know, even have one run down to the laundry and do laundry just for a few minutes here and there. Um, I try to make sure everybody gets touched every day, especially when they get older and they're teenagers that you, you get a hug goodbye and. I'll give you a kiss goodbye, um, that they feel physical, uh, um, love and affection from their yeah. mom. Um, and I think that they all know, I wish I could have yeah. provided more. Yeah. You know, your story I think is, is one that almost all of us would resonate with because we don't talk about it very much. Um, but I think we all also grieve not only the loss of the motherhood we imagined, Mm-hmm. 
but the childhood we imagined for our kids. Right. Exactly. All of that. Well, I think <laughs> that's the other really nice thing is, and I don't know why, I think I've always been a little bit of an odd duck myself. I didn't have expectations of what my kids would be. I didn't. Right. Um, I actually think that has saved me um, a level of grief that I know a lot of my peers yes. have gone yes. through. Um, and for the children that I adopted, there was this weird um, freedom from it. I don't have guilt about their beginnings being crappy. I didn't do it. Right. And the neat thing about that is I also know what they would have had without me and go, you know what? I'm doing pretty good because you would have had worse. Right. And so there's like, it's not that I still don't feel like I wish I could give them more, right. but there is like a, a sense of forgiving myself when I know, okay, you know what? I know what your options were without me. So, exactly. so, so we're doing okay. Yeah. Um, and so I do think I've grieved the mom that I wish I was, but I really wanted my kids to just be whoever they are. Yeah. And especially with my adoptions, one of my children, they said she would basically be a vegetable. Um, that is what I planned for. Anything above that is just bonus. Right. So all of these issues she has today, when I look at her situation, this poor kid, I just think this is just such a miraculous kid. Right. And I didn't have expectations of her doing X, Y, or Z, right. you know. Um, That's another thing if we could transfer to the rest of our lives, right? Yeah. Just think about all of our relationships, all of our daily things. We didn't lead with expectations. I think actually <laughs> that centered skill, being able yeah. to feel whole myself, yeah. it sets me up for much healthier relationships because I don't go in with expectation. If I'm here just to love you, then that's all I'm here for. If you love me back, bonus. Right. But I'm not here with an expectation of you offering me something in return. And my, I view parenting much that way. It is our job to love them. It is not their job to love us back. That's bonus. Right. That's gravy. And that's what we would hope for. But if they don't, that's not part of the journey. That's not my job is to be your friend or to be liked by you. My job is to raise the best human being I can raise. And my job is to love you unconditionally. And with, without expectation of being loved in return. And I think feeling okay with yourself frees you that way and helps your relationships be really authentic, really real. Um, and, and you can have much deeper relationships right. because you're, you're cutting out that expectation. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. So right now at this moment, because every mom I talk to, including myself, it varies from moment to moment. Right. But in this moment, are you treading water? Are you drowning? Are you swimming? Where do you find yourself? Um, I think I'm mostly, if, if I'm doing swimming as the most positive mm -hmm. of the options, I think we're mostly swimming. Good. I think there's days we're treading water. We aren't sinking so much anymore, but I have had plenty of days where the goal was only to survive the day. Yeah. And in fact, I think there's, there was a decade there where I survived the decade by only, my goal was only to survive the day. And I still probably have poor long-term planning because thinking too far out causes me stress and anxiety yeah. because of that. Yeah. And so sometimes I have poor planning for, well, what are you doing in three weeks? I have no idea what I'm doing in three weeks. I'll put it on my schedule. I'll look the night before. Right. You know, because right. I'll be overwhelmed otherwise. Right. Um, 
And so overall, I do feel like we're at least always two steps forward, even though we're, we take one step back. Right. Um, and if you had told me five years ago, we could be this good, um, I would have thought you were out of your mind. So that's exciting. That is, and I think it's really good for people to hear because um, I know the biggest hope I get is when I talk to parents whose kids are now adults mm-hmm. and they made it and they're okay. Mm-hmm. And it was hard, but they're okay. Right. And it just gives you so much hope. Um, yeah, I think hope is one of the most pivotal things to hang on to um, because your your only option isn't to sink. Um, and, and there are people out there and are the resources what I wish they were? They are not. And do I see all kinds of holes and all kinds of systems all over the place? I sure do. But that doesn't mean there isn't hope. Right. And, um, and we have come a, a really, really long way. Um, and we've had a lot of near tragedy along the way too, and, and have survived. Right. And, and I, I'd like to get to a place, I think, I don't know if I would say we're at thriving yet as opposed sure. to surviving, yeah. but we're somewhere in the middle and that's pretty dang good. That's really so, good. Yeah. 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 So you've already talked a little bit about your self-care routine, but if you want to say anything more about it or in those really rough moments and the survival technique. Um, I tell lots of people to remember to breathe. Mm-hmm. I like literally, I don't think we realize how often we're holding our breath. Right. Um, and the difference it makes in your physical body to remind yourself to breathe. My mommy mantra is this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. Nothing is forever. Even in the worst of circumstance, this won't always be like this. Right. No matter what, this will change. And I remind myself of that a lot. Um, I try to exercise most days, not every day, but that does help. And I also use, I, I see a therapist for me. I do some energy work with an energy person. When I need meds myself, I go get meds. It's usually in the winter. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? I need some extra help because I am struggling and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think remembering that utilizing what's out there to be the best you, you can be. Um, we also shouldn't think that we should be a doormat or, you know, like I'll, I'll go get my nails done. And I mean, maybe not all the time, but if there's something that's a splurge, you know, I, I'm on the list too. Right. And a lot of us forget that. I don't think you can do the quality job you want if your cup's empty. That's right. And I heard someone say once, and I loved it so much, they talked about the, the, when people say, my cup runneth over. And what they were saying is, you know what? What runneth over is for me to give you. What's in the cup is for me. Uh, and so if you think of it that way, um, I have to do my best to keep my own cup full or I've got nothing to offer. To my children, to others, to advocacy, to change. You know, I've got to do my best to keep myself whole and intact as well, you know, or it does no one any good. Thank you. This is just amazing. Thank you. I'm going to ask you one last question. So through all this, what's your most laughable moment? Um, One of my favorite moments. So a little bit about one of my, my, my daughter. She is 17. And, um, she's intellectually disabled. Um, she's probably functioning around seven and she has cerebral palsy. She has, um, schizophrenia. She had a severe grade three 
bilateral brain bleed. She has hydrocephalus with a shunt. She's meth and alcohol affected. She was three months premature and her birth parents are related. So poor, poor basket of stuff to be given. Yeah. But there's this really, one of my favorite stories about her. I homeschooled her up until third grade. And in third grade, she went to public school and she comes home and she's telling me the story about how um, she and the other black girls in class were having a discussion. And I realized as she went on that she thought she was black. And so I said, Madeline, did you know you're not black? And she said, what? And she fell straight over onto the couch in shock. Um, and then she's like, well, well, what am I? And I said, well, I think you're Italian. And she said, I must have gotten confused. <laughs> That's so cute. <laughs> it was so cute. And another really cute one I have to say about my, my son who's autistic. Um, this was just his, the way he thought it worked. Right. At 18, he sat down to come out of the closet as straight. He figured every kid, you don't, like each parent you don't know. Right, right. And then you wait till adulthood. And then apparently each child needs to sit their parents down and explain whether you are straight or gay. And I just thought it was the cutest thing that one, he thought that, you know, there's no concern about what you might be, right, right. but that he better inform me. Right. That That's his job straight. to tell you yes. at this age. Yes. That's so awesome. it was cute because he came out as straight. straight. That's awesome. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. That's a wonderful Thank story. you so much, Tammy. Thank you. You have been listening to Just Ask Mom, recorded and copyrighted in 2017 by Mothers on the Front Line. Today's podcast host was Tammy Nydam. The music is Old English, written, performed, and recorded by Flame Emoji. For more podcasts in this and other series relating to children's mental health, go to mothersonthefrontline.com.